Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Good to see you this morning. Hey, um, as soon as my app finishes updating, I will open my message and I'll preach it. And if not, then hey, it's been nice seeing you. Y'all have a great week. We'll catch you next Sunday. Uh, I want to tell you about something very, very exciting that I'm very happy about that is starting here for Grace Avenue. Um, let me jump into my email here that has my other notes. Um, I'm live. Good morning, Grace Avenue Church. As you can see, we're professionals here in every form and fashion. Can you give it up for our online church this morning? <laughs> We just started doing live services a couple months ago. We've been recording for so long. I forgot that we're going live. And this is why this team loves me. They love me so much because I keep them on their toes. They come to serve, and they really come to serve. Online church family, it is great to be with you this morning and church family here. But I want to tell you about something that we are starting. I'm excited to announce that beginning in April, we're going to be offering uh, some mental health support groups. How many of you know that mental health is so important? Yes, let's give God a hand for that. Uh, this is a difficult time. We've had a lot of people who have, have been suffering through grief and have suffered through loss. And we know that anxiety and depression is, is for many, in many ways, skyrocketing in a lot of people's lives. And we want to try and do our part to help with that. Obviously, as a community, we help one another in that and with that and through that. Uh, we stand with one another as the body of Christ. We're connected. We're together. But we wanted to dive a little deeper. And we have a certified Christian counselor who's now part of our church uh, that's going to be facilitating these groups. And uh, so all the information that you need is on the website. So if you say, hey, Daniel, can you tell me more about it? I'm going to say, nope, the information's on the website. And go there, and we'll be able to give you some more information. And let's just pray that God does some incredible work in and through those groups. Amen? Let's just believe God is going to make people healed and whole. I went to school for Christian counseling, so for two years I was saturated in an environment where I understood uh, the needs and the depth of help that comes through counselors, through therapists. And uh, I tell you, it changed my life. It helped me overcome some incredible uh, wounds. And this is, this is at 23 years old. Helped me overcome some incredible wounds that I'd faced even up to that point in life. And after we've gone through a year like we've gone through, I believe God is going to help people get healed and whole and going to come through this season better than the way they came in. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Now, let us hope that Jesus starts my app. And he did. All right. So this is Holy Week, Passion Week, Easter Week. It's a week that we're very familiar with traditionally, year after year. We come together and we know that this year... Uh, I'm sorry, this week traditionally is, is what we call Palms, uh, Holy Week, pa- Passion Week. Palm Sunday, which is today, marks the journey of Jesus headed towards the cross. It's um, the final week of his time here on earth. And when we read these final moments in the scriptures before he's crucified, we get an understanding of more of his journey and what he was experiencing. This leads us to Good Friday, which we will have Good Friday services online Uh, You can find more information on our website about that. But Good Friday is where we reflect on his suffering and his crucifixion. And then Easter Sunday, next Sunday, uh, is where we celebrate his resurrection and our freedom. And so this, this is a fundamental week for anybody who calls himself a Christian. This is a powerful week. It's a week of remembrance. It's a week of devotion. It's not just a week of tradition. Uh, and it's not just about Easter eggs, huh? 
uh, when, you know, my oldest daughter, when she was like five years old, we asked her, you know, hey, do you know what Easter's about? She said, yes, it's about Jesus. I said, what about Jesus? She said, that he came to bring us eggs. I said, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not. That he came to bring us gifts, not, but not eggs. But I guess eggs are gifts in some ways if you like eggs, but that's not what he came to do. But in all seriousness, um, Jesus came to do some mighty work on the earth. And I want to set the stage as I go into today's message and really give you an understanding of where Jesus is at in this moment. He's crossing over into the point of no return. He who is the rock of our salvation is getting ready to go and endure the cross, the crucifixion. He's headed this way. These are the final days of his life. And he's willingly about to go and take upon himself all of the punishment that liberates us. All the punishment on himself that frees us from the punishment of sin. That no longer we would be held accountable for our past. God would pin that on himself on the cross. He would exchange brokenness for wholeness, guilt for freedom, captivity for liberation, and failure, our failure, for victory. And so the Gospels record about Jesus, some very specific things. And what's powerful is when we actually think about what Jesus is going through in this final week of his life, he was very busy. Look, I want to read you some of the stuff he was doing. At this time in his final week, he still had the time to pray for his disciples. He still had time to teach about paying taxes. He still had time to teach uh, what it was like to pray. He still washed the disciples' feet. He still recognized the widow's offering that she was putting in. When she put a little in, Jesus recognized that there was little that she was putting in while all the rich people were putting in large gifts. Jesus said, look at this woman. He's still in his final week of life. He still promised the Holy Spirit. He still comforted his disciples. He still taught at the temple. He still condemned religious leaders. He still warned against false teaching. He still had Passover dinner with his disciples, and he still drove out the money changers from the temple. I'd say that's quite a highlight reel for your last week of life, wouldn't you? Most of us in our final week of life would be saying, okay, you know, here's what we want to happen. Here's what we want to make sure is taken care of. Jesus is serving the entire time. He's serving. He's teaching. He's blessing. He's encouraging. He's raising up. He's lifting up, he's imparting, he's investing. This is the model of Jesus. This is the model Jesus lays out for us. And he accomplished these things, even though he was about to encounter the cross and the torture that preceded that crucifixion. And he did this for you, and he did this for me. Matthew chapter 21, we're going to be there this morning. I'm going to jump into it here. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and as soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there with its coat beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone asks you what you're doing, just say the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. And this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And the two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. 
Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of them, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting. Listen to this. They were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Hosanna, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God highest in heaven. Have you ever been in a sports arena where the player that we know is on the team enters the arena and you just feel the energy go up and the crowd is elated and the crowd is excited and the crowd is lifted up and the energy is focused and everybody is focused on that one individual player in that moment? Think of this scene as similar to something that way, except here, the Holy Spirit is behind this. Prophecy is being fulfilled. Jesus is coming in, and time is turning. Time is being fulfilled. God's promise is being fulfilled. And listen to this, verse 10. And the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. It said the whole city was stirred up as he entered. Who is this? They asked. Who is this? The crowds were so large, the noise was so loud that people didn't know who this was or what this was about, but people were getting caught up in the crowd. Ever been caught up in the crowd? Everybody's getting excited. Maybe you've been at a sports game and you're one of the lucky ones who has like season tickets and you just kind of sit around and you sit in your chair and get on your phone while everybody else wishes they could go to the game. That would be me. I'm not jealous or anything, but maybe just a little bit. But you're sitting there, and as soon as everybody else starts cheering, you get off your phone and you realize, oh, wow, yes, everybody's cheering right now. And you get back into the zone. You get back into the game. This is what's happening here. The crowd has brought a focus. The crowd has brought attention to Jesus as he's coming into the city. And they ask the question, who is this? They're asking themselves, who is this? Who is this that's coming? Who is this? Who are we cheering for? Who are we cheering for? The crowd is caught up in something that they don't even fully understand. History is happening, and they don't even know what's going on around them. Have you noticed that when the crowd in society starts to bring attention to someone or something, we often kind of like the crowd, start paying attention to it as well? Whenever there's a star athlete that starts rising up and we start seeing his name on the screen, football, basketball, you name it, tennis, someone who's a weightlifting champion, whatever, whatever field of sports you're kind of connected to, and you start to hear somebody's name, and then you hear it again, and then you hear it again. Then after a while, you see their highlight reels, and then you start to pay attention to them a little bit more, and somebody says, did you see so-and-so in the game the other night? And go, yeah, I saw him. I don't know that much about him. And then what do you do? You start to ask, well, who is this? And you start to do a little bit more of a deep dive and you start to go to Google and you do an online search and then you find out a little bit more about him and where he went to school and what he looks like and where he came from, what his upbringing was like. And then you start diving deeper. It's the same when we hear a song. We hear a song. And who is this? Who is this? I heard this song before. I know this song. This guy, I've heard this song before. I heard it on this movie, I think. And then you start to type in the lyrics and you try to figure it out. Or you shazam the song. Or you ask Siri, what's the song? Who is this? You start asking the who is this question. See, we're used to getting caught up when the crowd starts to lift someone up. We, like the people in this time, start to lean in a little bit more. And we start to ask the same question. Who is this? And many times, we start to lean in with genuine interest. Who is this person? What are they about? But ultimately, what we're really trying to find out is whether or not we like them, whether or not we really like them, whether or not they believe what we believe, whether or not they think like we think, 
whether or not their views are our views. Basically, whether or not we should cancel them or embrace them because they think like us. Good morning. And that's how we go through life, searching people out, discovering more information about them. What I'm trying to say this morning is it's possible to know who someone is and not really know who someone is. This was the case with Jesus. Who is this? They know who he is, but they don't really know who he is. And many people live their life like that in church. They go through their Christian faith like that. They know who he is, but they don't really know who he is. And the question we have to ask continually to stop becoming familiar with Jesus in an unhealthy way is, who is this? Who is Jesus in my life? It's the same situation that we read in Matthew right here this morning on, on Palm Sunday. I want to recognize that among the crowd were people who were screaming, praise be to the name of God, Hosanna to God. People were catching the energy. They're catching the life that's happening. Yet in just a few days, so many of the same people will be screaming, crucify him. Because it's easy to get caught up in a crowd and cancel somebody a few days later when you were praising him. See, there's a difference between knowledge of Jesus and knowing Jesus. Follow me on this. There's a difference between education about Jesus and an encounter with Jesus. There's a difference between awareness of Jesus and an awakening to Jesus day in and day out in and through your life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle with just some, ex- some education about Jesus and never have an encounter with Jesus. I don't want to spend years in church just having some sort of one-time experience with God where I made a decision, but I never became a disciple. I don't want to spend time walking into church doors, but never being satisfied in my own life because I'm not walking with Jesus. There's more that we can know about Jesus in here. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is, is it possible that maybe this morning you came in and you know who Jesus is, but you don't really know who he is? It's a fair question to ask because you showed up. It is Palm Sunday. This is a big moment in the history of Christianity. But there's a big difference with people who have been with Jesus. Ever been around someone who's uh, just carry the presence of God? They just carry the word of God. Like everything they say is just scripture or some sort of wisdom. I used to know this guy, you know, he's in Bible college. He's a little too holy. I was like, hey, man, you want to get something to eat? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I was like, I'm just talking about lunch. I want to go eat. I'm not talking about people like that. I'm talking about people that really embrace God, the word of God, life in Christ, and they carry this out. You can sense it with them when you're around them. Acts 4, it says that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they knew they'd been with Jesus. To be with Jesus is different than just hearing about Jesus, to just spend time with him. I know a lot of friends over my lifetime. I was one of them who had been around church a lot and still not spent time with Jesus. I'd had a huge education in the word of God, but still had not let the God of the word come into me. Something can change when we choose to ask who is this in every moment in our life, 
every day of our life. Sometimes I wonder as pastors if we make it too easy for people because we don't ask enough of people. Maybe we're satisfied that people come to church, but we're not strong enough to push them to see that, yeah, they sat in a seat in church, but would they sit at the feet of Jesus this week? If I'm going to push you towards anything this week, it's not just that you sit in church, it's that you sit with Jesus. And that you develop that for yourself and for your marriage and for your life. Because ultimately, that, that's what matters. That's what brings us to the place where we can say, we know who he is. I know who he is. I have a passion for, for uh, food, <laughs> restaurants. I love to eat out. I love trying different things. I love different foods. And now I'm going to tell you something. You're going to think I sound a little bit snobby when I say this, and you, you may be right, but I'm going to say it's not what the case is. But nevertheless, when uh, Janelle and I, you know, for, for years we would go around, we would eat at different restaurants, and there was a new restaurant that would pop up. I'm telling you, I had a track record where I could say, that restaurant's not going to make it. They're not going to make it. Why? Because you're a snob, Daniel. Okay, well, maybe. But I know the palate of San Antonio. I know the taste of San Antonio. And I also know the laziness of San Antonio that doesn't like to change. <laughs> Don't mess with our plates. Don't take them off the menu. We've been getting that special for the last 13 years. Don't change it. And you better not change the price either. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. All right. All right. Restaurateurs, here you go. Here's your education. And I used to be able to say, you know, that restaurant's going to make it. One time I went to this restaurant uh, here, and they had, they had Mexican rice that basically was a mouthful of nothing. And I was sitting there chewing it, and I remember saying, just based off the rice, this place is going down. <laughs> like, if this is how the rice is, forget about how the meat is or everything else. This place is going down. Didn't last a year, right, because they hadn't invested in spices. So, so would you say that I'm just passionate about food or that I'm a snob? Thank you very much. Thank you very much, I thought so, because you could stand in my shoes and feel the same way, but I have a passion for good food, and, I, and that passion impacts everything else around me. One time I was on a plane, and I asked the guy, what's your passion? He said, no one's ever asked me that question before. Some people have never thought much further about the job that they do, what they're working in, what they're working towards. They're just caught up in the busyness of life, but they haven't really drilled down to discover their own passion. Jesus' passion was you. Before this moment, Jesus looks around and he's dealing with people. He's serving people. Shortly after the story, we see Jesus goes and looks at the city of Jerusalem. It says he looked at the crowds in Jerusalem. He looked at the people in Jerusalem and Jesus began to weep. See, Jesus' passion was not food. Jesus' passion was people. Jesus' passion was people who were lost and disconnected, wandering, sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' passion was people. And this is what Palm Sunday is about. It's about passion. And if we're going to build together, if we're going to build again as a church like we've been talking about all year, that means we're going to have to stir our own hunger so that people don't settle for religious awareness, but instead have a passion for a relationship awakening. Can I say that again? We don't need to be the church that just settles for religious awareness, but instead a church that pursues relationship awakening. That's how lives will change. People don't need another sermon. They can go to Google. They can go to YouTube. They need encounters with Jesus. They need to be changed. 
They need that encounter with him, and they need to learn how to walk with him. And when they say, who is this? We need to be able to answer that question. Who he is, what he's come to do. I want you to understand the scenario here. Jesus basically comes into town. He's lit the fuse that led to this whole scene erupting the shaking of the city to be stirred up. Like it says, the whole crowd was in an uproar. It was stirred up. means uh, it's similar to the word of when an earthquake has happened, when something has shaken, it's gotten everybody's attention. That's the magnitude of the intensity of the moment that's happening right now. So we have people waving palm branches, okay, openly proclaiming Jesus as their king. Their hope is that Jesus, many of them, their hope is that Jesus will overthrow the current government. Does this sound like any Christians that I, we know of right now? Or in the last administration? Okay, never mind. I'll stick to my notes. Uh, overthrow the current government and establish a kingdom that fits their hopes and desires. We have the Pharisees that don't want people celebrating Jesus as the Messiah, so they tell him to stop. And they tell the people to tell him to stop. But they know they can't do anything about it because he's healing people. He's performing miracles. But they want to do anything they can to stop him. They recruit Judas shortly after. The Roman soldiers are there. They're trying to keep order. They're like the police. They're like the military. There's chaos going on. They have to serve the Roman king. They have to serve Caesar. They have to serve the system. They can't have Jesus seen as king by the people. That'll erupt in chaos. The disciples that are there, now they have their own agendas. These are the people who've walked with Jesus. These are the people who are arguing still. Who will sit at your right hand? Who will sit at your left hand? These are like church people. Who's going to be important? Who's going to be in charge? When do I get to get on stage? Uh-oh. <laughs> Judas will betray Jesus this very week. Peter will lie about knowing Jesus. And the disciples who claim to love him will run away to save their own lives. The people in the markets, with their curiosities, are sitting there saying, could this be the one? Could this be the one we've always been taught about? Could this be the Messiah? Is this really the Messiah? Others have come in his name. Others have said the Messiah. Is this really the Messiah? Who is this? Is this really him? Is this the one that's been promised? Is this the one that we've been waiting for? And some of them are about to have their tables turned over. It's interesting when we're doing things in the name of Jesus and he comes and turns some of our tables over. Some of us needed it. <laughs> the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. Who is this, they asked. If you've ever been in a crowd that could up explode in any minute, you know what that's like. The scene here is chaos and it's agitation. The Gospel of Luke tells us that the religious leaders were seeking to destroy him while a crowd of people was hanging on to his words. Luke chapter 19, verses 47 and 48. You've got people right now who are in one situation where these guys want to destroy him, and these people are hanging on to every single word that he's saying. So it's as if time was suspended. Ears were open. Eyes were open. People were aware. People were tuned in. People were zoned in. People were locked in. You have a crowd. Some of them want him crowned, and some of them want him killed. So Palm Sunday is about this tense but triumphant and prophetic entry into Jerusalem by Jesus. So Palm Sunday is not only important, it's not only historical. It helps us understand the path 
that led Jesus to the cross, the path that he was on, the journey that he had to take. So Palm Sunday, firstly, is about this. It's about a promise fulfilled. It's about a promise fulfilled, something that was prophesied. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. We've been talking about some Old Testament books, Haggai and different characters and and, um, Zechariah. And this verse here, it says, See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey. There were lots of prophecies, obviously, about Jesus. But this particular one specifies how he would come in. And when Jesus is first coming onto the scene in Luke 4, he stands up and, and he unrolls the scroll and he, he reads the prophecy of Isaiah and he declares who he is and he says, today this prophecy is fulfilled in your presence. Now, here's the thing. That room was filled with people who knew who he was but didn't really know who he was and they couldn't see it. So the road to the cross was not an afterthought. Okay, this was intentional. It was part of a promise that God ordained. Who is this? That's the question that we're asking today. Isaiah 7, 14 says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with you right now in this moment. God is with you in this season. God is with you in this valley. God is with you on this mountain. God is with you with your questions. God is with you in your pain. God is with you in your confusion because God came and his name means God with us. He's not up there. He's right here. And he walks with you. So maybe the question we need to stop asking is who is this and start saying more of a statement. I want to know you. I want to know more of you. I want to know more of you in this moment. I've seen you here. I've seen you there. But in this moment, this is where I want to know you. This is where I need to... I've heard about healing, but right here, I need to know about healing. I've heard about mercy, but I need to know right now about mercy. I've heard about what love is, but I need to know right now about what love really is in my life. I've heard that you bring clarity, but right now I need to know how you bring clarity. See, we can't fully understand Palm Sunday until we understand that it's a presentation of God's perfect, sacrificial lamb. God is putting his lamb on display for everyone to see. You have thousands of people gathering around, all of them bringing, they're looking for a, a, a sacrificial lamb, looking for something to bring, looking for something perfect to bring. And here he is, right in front of them, the one who will be crucified. All of this was prophesied, and all of this was promised. Second thing, Palm Sunday is about a purposeful decision. A purposeful decision. It was a promise fulfilled, but it's a purposeful decision. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 says this, When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. We've been sending our little three-year-old to her room a lot these days, and she sets her face, so we tell her what to do, she sets her face towards her room, and she heads that direction, because we like to think we're good parents, and at least we can order that little one into obedience. But it says here that Jesus when the days drew near, when the time was coming for Jesus to be crucified, for him to be taken up, he set his face 
This is a purposeful decision. He set his face. He became resolute. He decided. He was purposeful. He was intentional to set his face towards the cross. It wasn't an afterthought. It was intentional. See, the people's concept of the Messiah was different. He was not how everyone expected him to be. He was not what they thought he would be. Their hopes uh, for what he would be in their life were different than his agenda. You see, we all have a different image and a different concept of who Jesus is. This is why we got to keep asking, who is this? And then we got to start saying, I want to know more of you. I want to know more of you in this season. I want to know. I know what I've heard. I know what I've grown up with. I know what my parents taught me. I know what, what I've learned in church. I know what I've discovered on my own. I know what I've read in the Bible, but I want to know you more. I want to spend time with you. There's Mary and Martha. There's always someone serving, but there's always somebody who wants to be at the feet of Jesus. We need to also understand it's not just what we're doing for God. It's how we're learning about who Jesus is. Jesus comes in lowly, humble, not on a stallion, but on a donkey. That's a picture of how Jesus enters our lives. He doesn't come blazing in with arrogance. He comes in humbly, purposefully, and intentionally. Many times to undo what we've done. To settle what we've broken. To lift us up out of what we put ourselves down into. And this is something that all of us wrestle with at times. Our concept of who Jesus is in the moment, in our pain, in our struggle, in our confusion especially when it looks like things have failed. See, that's what the cross shows us. The cross looked like God had failed, but it was success for the kingdom of God. It was success for your life. See, Palm Sunday stories show us that there can be a crowd around Jesus with some knowing who he is, but some wanting him to be something else that he's not. We have to get down to the real Jesus. Third point, Palm Sunday represents a precise action from Jesus. It was precise. It was specific. It was his final sacrifice. The once and for all penalty paid, price paid for us to be free. Colossians 2.14 says, he canceled the record that contained the charges against us. Listen to that. He's saying that about you. He canceled the record that contained the charges against us. He took it and destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. That's what God has done with your past. That's what God does with our mistakes. That's what God does with our brokenness. He cancels. He cancels. Come on, we're a generation that knows how to cancel people. God canceled your sin. He broke it off of your life. He broke the weight off. He broke the pain off. He broke the shame off. He broke the guilt off. Second Corinthians says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. In other words, he took our place. So as we close today, I want to read you these things that give you clarity on who he is. You don't have to ask, who is this? You can know who this is. Here's the first thing. 
Let's read these together. The cross brought liberation from shame and guilt. You don't need to walk in shame and guilt anymore. The cross brought about his death so that we could share in his life. We participate in his life. We walk in his life. The cross brought that about. The cross brought hope for your failure. The cross brought healing for your brokenness. The cross brought victory. That's a typo. Brought victory over death. And that may have been my typo, by the way. The cross brought and bought the ransom owed. The cross brought us peace with God. Are you walking with peace? Are you walking in peace this morning? Is peace something that you just wish you had? Is peace something that you're going to around society, around your relationships, another relationship, another job? If this job works out, if this situation works out, once this season is over, we tell ourselves all kinds of things, this concept that we have of God. Once this works out in life, then I'll be good. Here's the problem with that. It's already good. God already did it. He did it in your life. Today, we celebrate that. Today, we celebrate that. We'll go this week to see Jesus in a different light. We'll think about him on Good Friday, the the reality of the pain he suffered. And on Easter, we celebrate his resurrection that guaranteed that which we live in now. I want to pray for you as you go today. Have you been asking that question, who is this? Who is this? Who is this God? Is he the Jesus, the God I've been trying to make him out to be? Or is this Jesus someone that really I've had somewhat of an education about, but I need an experience with. I need an encounter with. Trust me when I say that there are so many people I know that spend a lifetime in church but limited time with Jesus. God wants to shift that here this morning. This is why he brought you here, to remind you that he wants to spend time with you. He's not calling you a failure in this moment. What he's doing is inviting you into relationship wherever you are, wherever you're at, with whatever you know and whatever you're walking through. God's inviting you in this moment to stop asking the question, who is this? And start saying, Lord, I want to know you more. The cross brought victory into your life. And I want to proclaim that victory over your life wherever you are in this moment. If I could pray for you, church. with whatever you're walking through, whatever you're experiencing, I want to do that. But first, I want to ask the question, how many of you would be part of the crowd? You'd be part of the crowd that maybe is trying to fit God into some sort of box that you tried to put him into politically. Maybe some of your motivations in life. Maybe some of the things that you want him to be. But really, you're stepping into a service like this where you're hearing that Jesus wants to know you, wants to walk with you. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, what we're talking about this week, this passion week, is Jesus did all of this for you. 
And not only can that be something that you can walk with and embrace, it's something that God can settle in you once and for all. If that's you this morning, you're saying, Daniel, I need to make my peace with God. Friend, I'll tell you that you'll have the peace of God when you have peace with God. If that's you this morning, would you just lift your hand saying, Daniel, I need to make things right with God. I need to make this right. I need to give my life to him. I need to follow him all the days of my life. Would you just lift your hand so I can see who I'm praying for? Thank you, friend. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on, let me pray for you. Thank you, friend. Anyone else? Thank you. Come on, Jesus is inviting you into his presence. Anyone else before I go? Thank you, friend. Lord Jesus, you see every hand, you see every heart, you see every life, every head, every person walking through the season that they're walking through. I don't know how people came in, but Lord, I pray that they're walking out differently with a greater understanding of who you are. Lord, God, meet people where they're at. People need healing right now, Lord God. They need to be made whole. They need peace. They need forgiveness. God, meet them where they're at. Lord Jesus, teach them, even in this moment, settle once and for all, that what you did for them settles it all. And that they can walk out of here with that confidence. And that they can choose to follow you all the days of their life. Church, would you just pray this with me together? Say, Lord Jesus, today, I want to know you more. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the journey that you took for me. I want to know you more in this season. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.